0: Hello and welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, where we're mindful, and we share or tell our stories. I'm Eric Chase. We are powered by GEMS. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is a fantastic human. I have known him for 10 years, run calls with him in the city of Oklahoma City. He's been always an unparalleled professional, uh, seeks collaboration, wisdom, knowledge, And the story we're gonna talk about today is gonna be talking about redemption, resilience, and mental health. My guest today is Lieutenant Danny Brown with the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma Fire Department. He's a paramedic, firefighter, and I'd just like to have you say hi, Lieutenant.
1: Hello, Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, Before we get started, I'd kinda like to say thank you to a couple people. Please. Um, uh, First would be uh, Sean McGuire, um then followed by stacy page alan dupree um the uh, oklahoma city fire department for allowing me to do this uh chaplain harris uh and then uh, finally my wife and kids uh happy anniversary Megan.
0: day <clears throat> your anniversary yeah. happy anniversary to both of you 19 years 19 years today yes 10-2-4 so, four. 4 yeah i love that dr pepper <laughs> so with that being said uh how, how you've come full circle and the story, ladies, and gentlemen, we're going to, uh, we've met a couple of times in person. We obviously have run calls together and how did we meet from your perspective in relation to the podcast? I
1: I remember sitting in the ambulance talking with you one time and I don't remember the story, but I remember there was something to do with mental health and you were very open about it. Um, and I liked working with you. I liked how you uh, worked with patients and um, we we hit it off. And a lot of times we didn't get to choose who we were working with, but when it felt that we worked together and I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Well, I appreciate that. My mm-hmm. mental health journey has been one that, that I've shared and the opportunity that I get when somebody like yourself and, and other brothers and sisters that have shared their stories mm-hmm. warms my heart and I know it's going to help someone else so the ultimate goal for this conversation is for you and your story to resonate with somebody that's out there a brother and sister on your department on another organization it could be an ems it could be a law enforcement officer it could be a complete stranger stranger, right Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be in public safety because this story is going to resonate um let's just get into that so Mm -hmm. you and i both trust each other, we both know each other, we both have felt very comfortable around each other for going on 10 years as we've run calls together. Your story where it gets so potentially catastrophic started when?
1: Uh, it, really the, the morning of September 24th of 2020. Um, just a little background, at that time I was studying for promotion, um, I was studying for driver and it's a very competitive um, test. And so that consumed my life. And so just to begin with, I was already um, neglecting my family, my, my friends, my fun. Um, that was just to begin the day. And so even um, before I got this call, um, I was outside uh, getting my study material out of my car. And you're at the station. At this fire station, yes. yeah. And so I get my study material and I, I hear a loud noise um i think it's something on interstate like one of those trash trucks and the trailer bounces um that's what i thought it was um didn't really think that much of it very quickly afterwards we get a 911 call um quickly find out that it was a home explosion um and as we go to the call um it's for us it was a further call than normal so it was, we had a longer travel time um But ultimately, when we got there, um, we had, I was the paramedic on on the engine. Um, The one brush bumper, brush bumper four, was there first. Um, He had started already doing CPR on a patient. Um, We, um, she became my patient. Um, We started our process um, and probably within two minutes, Um, About the time MSA got there, um, we realized that it was um, uh, that it was we were not going to continue CPR. Um, Her
0: injuries were just so extreme that it was not going to be it was going to be futile. Yeah, and
1: I don't want to describe the injuries, um, but yes, it was uh, it was obvious to everyone there. Um, And one thing I do on calls like that is I ask every uh, every EMT. paramedic, firefighter, whoever, uh, if we all agree. Um, and every one of us did. Uh, so we went, went from there. Um, there were four people in the home when it happened. Um, so it was the, the father, the wife, the son, and the daughter. The daughter's the one who uh, is deceased. And I end up um, going into the, with the hospital with the, with the father. Um, I was there to assist IMSA. Um, They didn't need any help, um, but I was there in case they did. Um, So then, so we get to the hospital, we drop the patient off. Uh, Baptist is taking care of him at that time. Typically, and you're aware of this, at the end of one of those calls, it just naturally happens. You go to the ambulance, you're restocking, and you talk about the call. Uh, It's a, informal debriefing but it's it's more casual than that i mean uh and while i was talking about this and um uh, having those conversations one of my firefighter friends from a uh from the same station i'm at he's on a different shift um he was working in exchange for someone he approached me and goes hey man did you hear about dennis like dennis who i mean not just wasn't thinking um he goes uh dennis page he died and at that moment it was just bam like my world changed uh and i i would have done the same thing for that guy i I have no ill feelings for him telling me this because i love that guy completely uh but it was that moment i was just like my focus changed um everything became foggy uh confidence changed we went back to the fire station we had our more formal debriefings and i expressed myself there and uh, people that were in charge of it were like took me to the side hey man i think you might could benefit from
0: some therapy and uh, and this was immediately following the incident like hours later. within hours yeah okay and and for the people i just want to kind of give a perspective <clears throat> Basically, a critical internet stress management kind mm-hmm. of debrief, where those of you that were running that initial call mm-hmm. hadn't been just the initial call. Yeah, go ahead.
1: And uh, I didn't say this. Dennis Page was. Um, I was at Station Two. He was. At, he was stationed at Station Twenty Two, just a couple miles down the road. Uh, we go to fires together. We train together. I'm. He, I considered him a friend. Um, I'd been to his house, to his ranch. Uh, he taught my son how to lasso. Um, my son didn't catch on, <laughs>
0: but he gave it a good try. More than brothers on the department. Correct. Uh, yeah, a greater level of yeah. relationship.
1: But at the same time, there's at least 100 other firefighters that had a better connection with him. I had a great one, but others had to even better than that. This guy was awesome. Um, and so it was just one of those that, I mean, Superman can't die. Yeah. And that's what happened, um, and so that there was that point that was just like, uh, like it, during the debriefing we talked about it, and uh, but it was like everything changed. I went that night. I mean, I was still at the station. I couldn't sleep. I'd lay down. I'd um, and I'd just jump out of bed like I was ready to fight. Like I'm a gentle giant. I'm six six. I won't ever get in a fight. Um, that is not my character. And I was just, what is wrong with me? What is this? Um, And ultimately, I went 72 hours there without sleep, without significant sleep. I maybe had 10 minutes at a time. But as far as like real sleep, I didn't get it. And ultimately, I was able to break that. um, And I was thinking, I'm getting I'm on the right path. Here we go. I'm I'm talking about it with my coworkers. I'm talking about it with my family, um, but I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Well, we came to, uh, my son had a cross country meet in Tulsa. Well, just cross country is hot. I wanted to give him a Gatorade for afterwards.
0: So this story you're getting ready to say, what was the time frame from the explosion to the news about Dennis's death? to this story you're going to tell us seven days so in seven days this yeah. is all happening in three days without sleep without and so any kind of significant sleep correct so very little rest in seven days and 72 hours with effectively no sleep correct. okay just i want to kind of bring us back for the listener for a time frame perspective so thank you i appreciate that
1: uh so on october 1st um we were stopping in between here and Tulsa, there's one gas station with a McDonald's. Uh, we just happened to stop there. And as we're approaching, there's a lady who's just distraught. She's having a bad day. I don't know what's going on. I noticed it. I'm not going to get in her business, but I notice it. Uh, we take a couple more steps, and there's a six-year-old in cardiac arrest on the ground, basically on the driveway of McDonald's. Uh, I was like, all right, I guess just, you know, you go to work. Uh, someone was doing CPR. Um, so I ran inside to get an AD. um, someone had called 911, I went to the gas station, asked for an AD, they didn't have one, they knew immediately they didn't have one, went to McDonald's, asked them, and it was, it was very disheartening, I asked them, where's your AED, what's an AED, and it was just like, oh, you don't know how bad I want that, you know, for you to ha- say it's right here, ultimately, they didn't have one. So I went back out and, um, the guy's still doing CPR. He, he's doing a great job. Um, basically all I can do is do a rhythm check, feel for a pulse. And she didn't have one. Um, this, uh, child was a, um, had some childhood trauma. Um, and she was in the custody of the state. She was six years old, but still had a diaper on, still had a feeding tube. Um, you could tell by her mouth that, um, she probably didn't talk. She probably didn't have the type of lifestyle that a six-year-old should have. Um, and so, I, EMS came. They took took the kid, and we went on to the track meet. And well, for me, I thought this isn't right. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do something for that kid. Like I'm gonna make this kid's life means something so
0: like in honor of yeah. Her.
1: Okay. And honestly, if it would have been in a, a closed room, there's a chance we wouldn't have transported this child just because of her conditions. And so, um, but so I'm wanting to do something to make this kid's life mean something. So I approached McDonald's about a week later, um, tell them the story about what happened and, um, well, sorry, let, let me go back one second. So, once this happened, once this full arrest happened, it was like th- uh, hearing about Dennis Page again 72 hours without sleep, nightmares, um, just the worst in my environment you can think of um, for, for mental health or peace of mind. Uh, so, I'm doing all this, and my way of thinking about it is I'm going to do something for this kid that's going to bring me relief um so I approached McDonald's to get an ad in their uh in their restaurant the I think regional manager or whatever talked to me about it and at the end of our probably hour conversation I asked in a month from now when I come in your store will there be an AED on the wall she goes no and I just my heart was broke like I failed like over and over on this whole journey, it was like I would repeatedly fail, fail, fail. Like no one knew this. Look, my wife didn't know it. Co-workers didn't know it. They never. They didn't experience what I was experiencing. But every night, it would be the same thing. That I feel like it would fail. And I'll go into that a little bit more here in a second. Uh, but so they they said McDonald's said they won it. Get an eighty. So I take it upon myself to boycott McDonald's. I don't make a big stink about it. I make do a little Facebook post about it, but not anything real big. What that did to me, though, is now this driving home from work, driving to work in a good mood, I drive by McDonald's. It puts me there. It puts me there over and over and over. And there'd be times I'd be driving with my wife having a good conversation and she'd be like, what happened? Like, did I say something? What, what changed? And I didn't even pick up on it then, but it was, we drive by a McDonald's and I would go back mentally to failing. And so it would just be that. And so ultimately after a while, I not well, I'll tell you the date on uh, February 10th, of 22. So that year and four months after the explosion, a um, couple weeks before that act, I uh, finally said to my wife that I needed help. Uh, and she was awesome. She didn't push me. She just, uh, she helped me. Uh, she encouraged me. I kept occasionally asking, Have you called? Have you called? Um, no, no. Okay, okay. Is there anything I can do? She was awesome. She did. She did it perfect. Good job. <laughs> but the so ultimately I, I end up going to therapy uh, on February tenth.
0: That's your first day of therapy. first day of therapy.
1: Um, that's when I met with Alan Dupree, uh, and fantastic meeting with him. Very, we hit it off immediately. And one thing he described about what kind of what happened for me is we go through this uh anytime you go through an experience like last night you had dinner No, a second ago you weren't thinking about it but you can recall what you had for dinner because you thought about it you processed it you put it in a file filing cabinet or your filing cabinet or brain put it away closed the door and moved on but it's there if you need it well what happened on my situation was i heard i ran the explosion I'm processing all this stuff, trying to put it in the file to put it away in the filing cabinet. And then that's when I heard about Dennis. And it was as if when I put it in the filing cabinet, it got jammed.
0: So may I ask a clarifying point and also yes. bring bring some attention to the listeners? You have a traumatic event where there's a, a death, a catastrophic event for mm-hmm. a family that we also bear witness to and are participating in. There's a failure because of our inability to save a life. Mm-hmm. Number one failure. And we, as first responders and public safety members, people in the medical field, healthcare in general, we feel this mm-hmm. quite often. So, what I'm hearing that you and uh, Mr. Dupree are talking about is you're preparing at the hospital with your informal debriefing on the ambulance mm-hmm. to kind of file away this tragedy. And prepare your mindset for the next, whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. and even preparing yourself for the CISM back at the station, which mm-hmm. you knew there was going to be. Yeah you right on top of that, get the catastrophic news that Dennis has died. Mm-hmm. So that's where you're getting ready to talk about. you're trying to close the one file in your mind, putting it away safely. You can refer back to it if you need to, but it's in a safe place. And now the Dennis news comes and what's what's going on with your expression and what he's explaining to you
1: well it's it's like that I'm putting the explosion filing it away and when I hear about Dennis it's like it jams okay and it jams and then obviously I'm this is an analogy but I'm trying him it's the only way I know to describe it where it feels like I can't shut it and The only thing that I see different about it is every every single day when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd wake up and be like, all right, today's gonna be a good day. And it was like, I was trying to restore, uh, oil the filing cabinet, make it perfect. This thing's gonna it's gonna close today. And it won't. And it just, no matter what I did, no matter how hard I prayed, no matter how good of a person I was, no matter if I worked out, ate right, did everything I was supposed to do, i could not close this and by the end of the night i was a failure in my mind i was a failure and then the next day i would wake up and i would just be so mad that i would mentally beat the crud out of this filing cabinet i am gonna just force it to go and just destroy it beat it beat it beat it beat it and it would not close i just couldn't get it and by the end of the day i felt like a failure. Next morning, I would try to restore it, get it back exactly how it should be. And it was just the cycle. And I don't, I know that uh, Megan, my wife, she could tell something was up. Um, but to not know the battle that was going on in my mind.
0: So that battle, mm-hmm. and, and even your fellow firefighters, when you had that CISM debrief, which was a month, one year and four months prior to. The first day you went to counseling, mm-hmm. you have felt like a failure in your own words for one year and four months.
1: And and I had uh, the worst. That wasn't the worst. The worst were the nightmares Okay. Uh, and uh, the worst. And I, I had about three reoccurring nightmares. Thank goodness I can only remember one of them. That's a blessing. Uh, but the one that I do remember, it was we've got a swimming pool in our backyard and my son and I were swimming in the pool uh, in the deep end. He goes to dunk me, just horse around. I panic. And in the panic of getting up, I pull him underwater, killing him to get out, <laughs> it, to wake up at midnight 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning from that. It, that is not a safe place. I cannot go back there. And to, and that was a year and a half or a year and four months of that garbage. Um, to go through that and nobody knew it. I mean, my wife would find me in the living room or something to watch the TV at three in the morning, but and I'd tell her, but, and like I said, she was awesome, but she doesn't understand that part of uh, where we come from uh, being an EMS and the, the buildup and the, uh, and uh, so ultimately like I was, I was talking to her she was at a dance convention in Texas with my daughter and I was in the hot tub had a couple drinks I wasn't drunk but I was, had a couple drinks so I was probably a little more honest than, than I normally would be and uh, she asked me she goes are you okay and I just blurted out I think I need help and immediately I was like I was disappointed in myself that I couldn't keep that a secret anymore that I was like I've, it, I let it out and a uh, couple couple weeks, months go by, and finally, I I end up calling the EAP number for Oklahoma City, and I get a hold of a dispatcher there, and they they line me up with. Uh, they originally told me that I'd be lined up with someone in Yukon, that's where I live. But the um, I told them I don't know why I even said this. I said before we do that. I'd kind of like to be lined up with someone who's seen a dead body. I don't know why that was my criteria, uh, but all he could picture was talking to some sweet old lady and trying to dump all this trauma onto her just not being a good fit. And he recommended that I go see a guy in Norman. Um, that was Alan Dupree. Oh, yeah. And so I ended up going to visit with him. We hit it off. We, uh, we have our... Get to know each other time and it it was very uh to the point i've got my wife and kids i love them Uh, this this is fine but over here this is not this is not okay at all um and it got so bad that um i had actually started looking for another job Um, and if you knew how hard i tried to get on at the fire department that, you, that would speak volumes. I am um, I was never suicidal. I was never homicidal, any any of that stuff. But I knew something had to
0: change. So may I ask a question? Sure. Thank you. First of all, I want to thank you, thank you, for your radical transparency and vulnerability. I know that your hope and my hope and the hope through fire engineering and GEMS and Oklahoma City Fire Department, and the emergency... Emergency Medical Services Authority in Oklahoma City. Is it with one of us, brothers or sisters, whatever we call ourselves, here's this story, the multitude of traumas that you've accumulated, and finally gets to the point where they're not upset with themselves for you? You said, I wouldn't, you were upset because you couldn't keep that a secret anymore hmm. because of the moniker that we wear, the uniform that we put on, the inauthenticity that we are. <clears throat> Excuse me. In order to be strong, tough, mm-hmm. without burden, to not adversely affect other people, and if it fi- if it finds <clears throat> out through the story you're sharing with me is that you were affecting everyone that you interacted with, and then did that continue to build on to the the moniker of failure that you put on yourself?
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, uh, my my confidence was shot. Um, it was. My my highs were low. Like I, I would uh, protect myself from from being vulnerable, shielding think, yourself you know, from vulnerability. Yeah, er, everything everything was gray. Uh, everything was. Um, and what's weird is at this moment I didn't realize it, which just sounds weird because looking back it was so obvious. Uh, but right now, if I was to tell you what I thought things looked like it'd be like a 1980s tv set like probably color but not very good um not very dynamic action um but when um, so I'm, let me go back to the the therapy side so when i met with alan we he ultimately started did uh, emdr mm-hmm. are you're familiar with that very much so uh, and he told me he goes we're gonna do this i, I think it will really help you And he asked if I was okay with it. I was like, absolutely. I'm here to get fixed. (laughs) And he told me to think think of those those two girls. And he said, I don't care uh, which one it is. I just want you to think of them. And he starts doing this, um, waving his hand back and forth. And I was supposed to watch it with my eyes, not my head. And I don't know if this was on purpose or if this was just how my trauma was on top of each other, just compiled. I couldn't think of one. I'd think of one, then I'd think of the other, then I'd think about how mad the media made me um, because of the exposure to the explosion and just how everything went. Um, it was just pinballing, pinballing. And finally, by the end of it, he, he stops and he goes, I want you to take a deep belly breath uh, and let it out, and I want you to say the words, let go. And when I did, I was, let go and it was like I described it to him immediately like, like this it was like there was a gremlin with claws in my chest just being ripped out up through my chest like what is going on here ugh <laughs> uh, and that was about the end of that sensation he, we did it one more time and it was absolutely nothing um, and we finished our meeting and uh, went on, went on our way well I went outside and it was like I said I was watching an 80's TV set it was like HD boom and I hear the birds chirping I'm like oh birds are chirping smells good out here what have I been missing like just immediately woo. like it was wide open to this whole experience of why did I wait I waited I tortured myself for a year and four months thinking I was strong and it took going to therapy one hour conversation with a stranger who I love <laughs> now, by the way that <laughs> uh, just completely changed my life, my perspective, my outlook. Uh, I'm happy about the fire department again. Like I'm sleeping. The nightmares have gone away. Thank God. Uh, but it's just, it was awesome. And I, so I had the, another experience as I was leaving there. And I can't explain this. I can just describe what I did because I don't understand it and I'm not going to appear to. <laughs> but as I was leaving, um, just got my car and I start driving off. There's a, another car there with a kid in the backseat. Kids roughly uh, four to six years old. I really can't tell. I couldn't even tell if it's a boy or a girl. But it, this kid looked like no other kid that I've ever seen. Um... The kid was pale, but not sick pale, like pure pale. Um, Had like crystal, just beautiful hair. Um, And when I was driving by, this kid stuck from here down, from uh, chest chest, belly button down, uh, out of the window, and just gave me the biggest wave, like I was the most important person on earth. Just like, I've never had experienced that. That's never happened that a kid acknowledges a complete stranger that much at that time uh, that I just went through that such a such a big event and of course I wave and I drive on and and then I hear um, I hear a girl's voice uh, that came uh, from the back seat as if there was someone sitting there and the voice said it's okay to let go and immediately I thought of that. I was like, first of all, I looked. Uh and I was like, I put a question mark in there. It's okay to let go. Then it was like, Nope. It's okay to let go. Like it was like I'm not an English person, but it was like exclamation points and stuff in there. And it was like, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to let go. Like you have permission. It's okay. And uh I listened to uh, Air One is a Christian radio station all the time but the next four songs were dialed up for me uh, It, I, I had to pull over I was driving home I had to pull over I was uh, had an emotional moment there and I uh, had to collect myself before I could <laughs> safely drive home but it was it's, it's okay to let go such simple words but it took me a year and four months to figure it out and the only reason I'm here well the reason I'm here because the listeners don't know this is I wanted to share my story with my friends uh, in EMS my fire friends and my uh, EMS friends and that's why I called or texted you and uh, I still have that little screenshot because it was Hey, uh, you do something to do with mental health and EMS, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, I'd like to tell you my therapy story. Okay, do you want to do a podcast? Whoa. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I thought about it and prayed. I, man, I, It was probably six months or so.
0: Uh, oh, since we first had that conversation. Yeah. I'd say at least six months.
1: <laughs> and I finally at five o'clock in the morning, one morning at shift, I had the courage enough to say yes, and so I sent you the message. At that time, I was like, "All right,
0: I can't cower down now." And and uh, to hear that, the the amazing thing for me that I've observed in you is the desire to get everybody involved for an affirmation of the story to be told Mm -hmm. from the father to the department to the chaplaincy core uh to the chiefs um from your wife Mm -hmm. you know that's the thoughtful person that i've known you always to have been and for you this is a massive win and my hope is is that you're going to continue to give yourself permission every time we suffer or participate or observe trauma to give yourself permission that it's okay to let it go. Hmm. To feel and deal and go through with it and have yet empathy for yourself and have empathy plus action. I want you to be compassionate. And for the listeners out there, have compassion for yourselves as well. I know many of us have felt like failures in the past and yours was an illuminating one opportunity where you did two EMDRs in the same session and the one was immediately transformational for you. Mm We know that for brothers and sisters and men and women out there in, in all fields, from veterans to health care to fire to EMS to public safety to law enforcement, that may not be the walk for you. The one fortunate thing that you weren't dealing with was drug and alcohol addiction simultaneously, where we're having to do multiple layers of, mm-hmm. of care and therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And so for each person, uh, therapy and counseling, I would say, is a must, I go to therapy. My first counselor here that was transformative for me is Kathy Wakini. Um, She works with a lot of uh, organizations within the city of Oklahoma City and one, the police department. She cares about people being cared for and giving themselves permission to feel. And so not everybody's going to get it first go. Not everybody's going to be successful, period, in the way that you are.
1: One thing that I noticed, because I ended up meeting with the therapist again, half part of it just to tell him the rest of what happened. Um, but while I was sitting there, we were at home, uh, Zach and I, like I said, I had boycotted McDonald's. I was not going to go to McDonald's ever again in my life. Um, I realized the only person this was hurting was me. That All it was doing was I was being reminded of this, this hatred this anger this frustration every time i see those golden arches which you can see them from a mile away uh, and so what it was zach and i were at home one day and i uh, just out of the blue i was like all right uh, get in the car we're gonna go get milkshakes and in yukon brahms and mcdonald's are right next to each other and we start driving he goes oh we're going to brahms i was like nope and he, he looked at me like we're going to McDonald's. <laughs> <Like> a, <uh-oh. laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're going to McDonald's. I'm going to choose happiness. Like, I'm not going to let that, that win. And I went back and I told the therapist this story. Um, and he was like, man, I am so proud of you. You did blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically you've, you've saw, saw your, you saw your fear and you faced it head on. And it was like, all I needed was that little bit of oil, from a specialist, to fix that filing cabinet, and then I could go back to normal, my normal uh, way of debriefing and the self help and the um, being able to let that uh, to filter out the the stuff I don't need out of my life. Um, and
0: it, to do it safely, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: To do it safely and just it became normal again.
0: One of the things that uh, Kathy had me do when I had that inability and I love your perspective when you shared that the inability for the door to close and my fuse was as short as the shortest fuse could be. Mm -hmm. And I know that my attitude behaviors were manifesting with whether it be coworkers, family, children, uh, brothers, sisters, parents, however, that looked and how ugly I became, uh, still desiring to always be positive and successful and the incongruence in how I was behaving and how I wanted to behave. It was, it was as frustrating as the story, <laughs> and, and for everybody, we're sitting directly across from each other. This is uh, a absolutely live uh, recording uh, in person uh, as opposed to just Zoom, which are also very powerful. The reason I want to say that is Kathy had me do this thing where, and I'm not giving advice, and I don't want you to do this if it's not safe and if you haven't consulted with your clinician, your therapist, Kathy had me take one of these things and and identify it and accept it and honor it, even if it was an uncomfortable, ugly, horrible trauma that maybe I witnessed or suffered. And that I now safely have put it away behind lock and key in a filing cabinet in my mind, in Mm -hmm. my headspace. That if I need to go to that, I can get it. Mm -hmm. And yet now I have a level of control over it and I have confronted that fear. I've confronted that history that passed that gave visceral responses and now I can share with it in my experiences like you're doing Hmm. and that's ultimately what I believe the relationship that a therapist or a counselor is going to have with the person that they have in front is to get that person to make those steps that you've done as we come to kind of an end here we met uh, going on 10 years ago you're going to continue to serve the, the great citizens in the community in oklahoma city as a as a firefighter paramedic lieutenant however you matriculate mm-hmm. and i know captain's testing was up i don't know if D- you were studying i'm not yet not this time okay what is your your word advice thought for somebody that's hurting somebody that's suffered cumulative trauma and yours manifest quickly within seven days Mm -hmm. and you suffered for over a year, that if one person could take one aha moment from what you shared and you can encapsulate that into an action point for them, what might it be?
1: Uh, I guess I would say if if any of those things that I mentioned, um, you feel like you're experiencing um, the nightmares, the irritability, the... Uh, short fuse the lack of excitement for the things that should be exciting um or you just sign, feel yourself being gray like an 80s tv um if you feel any of that stuff uh, get help um if it's through your pastor if it's through a therapist if it's through whatever if it's through all of them together um I absolutely get help and for me it was incredibly hard for me to say that because there, there were people that I really trusted that are kind of like the avenue to EAP and therapy and stuff like that. And I couldn't say the words I need help. Like it, for whatever reason that, um, I just, I wouldn't say it. Um, and I actually had a friend, um, Before I even when I first started in EMS, um, they told me that um, I know that you're gonna see a lot of bad things, and if you ever need to, if you ever need to talk about it or whatever, and you can't say it, um, just text me or call me and say we need to go fishing. I'll know what it means, Uh, and I'd like to extend that out to anyone who knows me that if um, that if you're having a hard time and you just need someone to walk you through it um to get you in contact with the right people um if you can't say i need help let's go fishing and i'll know exactly what it beats if you want to go fishing let and not talk about uh, mental health let me know too i love to fish
0: <laughs> so what a great invitation to people uh, that didn't know you and i hmm. want to in in way of your invitation uh compound that in, in a good way. <clears throat> Danny knows how to get in touch with me. If Danny doesn't have the resource or the bandwidth or the time, and we're going to make the time, people. We're going to find the time, and at the same time we 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 have lives. He can reach out to me and I can get help. We can we can find resources mm-hmm. through our network of humans and good people in, in this city, in this state, across this country. We can get you the help that you need. And that doesn't mean that you're a failure and that and and honestly, I'm going to tell you That in that radical transparency and vulnerability, when you can finally admit that that secret needs to be out, even with people that you've trusted, you're going to save other lives in the process. And we're talking about emotionally, spiritually and physically lives are going to be saved
1: in relationships and all sorts of other stuff.
0: So, so many good things are going to come. Ladies and gentlemen, this is and has been the EMS Improv podcast where we've engaged, where we've been mindful. Danny shared a beautiful, heart-wrenching, resilient story. And on his anniversary, no less, that he's taking time and he talked about relationships was the last thing that came out of his mouth. Relationships matter. I'm gonna ask you a favor, brother. Say yes to you, because if we can't take care of you and you choose to continue to take care of you, we're gonna be better for our wives, our kids, our co-workers our Uh, grandchildren absolutely so we are powered by gems i'm glad to know you and i'd like to give you the last couple moments if you have anything to share just only love love people all right brother thank you very much for taking this time